Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Friday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Hope that you come and worship with us this weekend. We are having a wonderful time as we gather together. We worship at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, and I know that Christmas is still a little bit way down the road, but on Christmas Eve, we're doing two Christmas Eve services. One at 3 o'clock, we'll be drive-in church, and uh, that's going to be our last drive-in service, and then we're going to start having everybody inside. But for Christmas Eve, if you want to come for the last drive-in service, uh, that'll be at three o'clock or you can come inside at five o'clock. Love to see you on Christmas Eve. And uh, if you come to the three o'clock service, we're going to have cocoa and coffee and cookies. If you come to the five o'clock service, that's going to be our candlelight service. So we're going to have a great time on Christmas Eve. So mark your calendars and come on and worship with us. Well, this is part two on why should we gather? Okay. And, uh, you know, when you think about gathering together with believers, I look forward to Sunday. I mean, it's it's my favorite day of the week. And uh, today's Friday, but you know, Sunday's coming. Jesus died on Good Friday. I don't know why they call it Good Friday. I guess it's called Good Friday because uh, Sunday was coming and the resurrection was coming. In order for Jesus to rise again, he had to die. But as I think about gathering together every Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection. And as we gather together, we grow spiritually. You know, in 1870, the Methodists in Indiana were holding their annual conference. At one point in the proceedings, the president of the college where they were meeting said, I think we are living in a very exciting age. The presiding bishop asked him, why? What do you see for the future? The college president responded, I believe we're coming into a time of great inventions. I believe, for example, that men will fly through the air like birds. The bishops say, well, that's heresy. The Bible says that flight is reserved for the angels. We'll have no more such talk around here. When that annual conference was over, Bishop Wright went home to his small sons. Their names were Orville and Wilbur. You know the rest of the story. You see, God's will is bigger and more exciting than we can imagine for ourselves. Living in his will is the key to living the abundant Christian life that Jesus talked about. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Now, the most common question I've been asked as a pastor, it's appropriate and it's urgent. And the question is, how can I know the will of God for my life? Well, as you gather together with other believers, you discover you should be together because you are fellowshipping with one another. That encouragement that you receive That understanding of what God is up to is found as you gather together with other believers. This is how it's put in Colossians chapter 3. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and as you admonish one another with all wisdom. Now, how do we do this? How is this information imparted to believers? Through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit through singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now, as we gather together, we're fellowshipping with other believers. You may not realize this, but God has a special revelation for us as we gather together. Paul says, brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When we meet together, one will sing, another's going to teach, another's going to tell some special revelation God has given them. One's going to speak in tongues and another's going to interpret what he said, but everything is to be done so that it might strengthen all of you. Now, in the Old Testament, that word fellowship is used in the NIV 94 times. And as we look at the overall Bible, that word fellowship is 85 times in the Old Testament, nine times in the New Testament, making a total of, of 94 times. 
Now, what is interesting about that word is every time it appears in the Old Testament, except for one time. So 84 times that word fellowship appears in the Old Testament. And every time that word fellowship appears is always followed by the word offering. Fellowship offering. The fellowship offering was also called the peace offering. Always involved food. We carry this over into the New Testament. So fellowship generally revolves around food. I mean, my small group, we meet together every Monday night. And I tell you what, we eat every Monday night. Why? Because food prepares us with the strength that we need to grow. The fellowship offering is what we do corporately so that those who are gathered together can be at peace with God and grow together. So we gather together and you should gather together for fellowship with believers. Now, something happens to us when we gather together. We become less cynical. You see, the word changes the cynic. Now, here's a proof that I want to give you. Find in Luke chapter 20, verses 20 to 26. It says, keep a close watch on him. They sent spies. They were looking at Jesus. They sent spies in there. They pretended to be sincere, but they hoped to catch Jesus in something that he said so that it might hand him over to the power and to the authority of the government. So the spies questioned him. Teacher, we know that you speak and you teach what is right, and that you do not show partiality, but that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar? Now he saw through their duplicity, and he said to them, Show me a Daenerys, whose image is inscribed on it. Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, well, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Now they were unable to trap him in what he had said right there in public. And they were astonished by his answers. And then it says, they became silent. So when the word is proclaimed, people become less cynical. On February 24th, 1948, one of the most unusual operations in medical history took place in Ohio State University. As they were doing some research, they had an unbelievable operation take place. The stony sheath was removed from around the heart of Harry, a man 30 years of age. When only a boy, he had been shot accidentally by a playmate with a 22 caliber rifle. The bullet had lodged in his heart, but had not caused his death. However, a lime deposit began to form around the protective coating, around that particular casing, and that heart began to gradually strangle. The operation was a delicate one, separating the ribs and and moving the left lung to the one side. Then that stony coating was, was lifted from the heart, just like an orange peel being peeled off. Immediately, the pressure of the heart was reduced and it responded by expanding and pumping normally. The man who had this operation said, I felt a thousand percent better immediately. He was going through this time of surgery, and his heart was developing this hard protective coating because of this incident in his life. You know, there are these deposits around our hearts today. I'm talking about our spiritual hearts, and they get hardened by circumstances. It's inevitable that they're going to happen to us. You can't get through life without going through hardships. So God comes and he does an operation on us. And he works on our hearts. And as the word is applied to our hearts, that bitterness of of cynicism begins to be released and our hearts beat more fully. What a joy it is to gather together. 
But there's another benefit for gathering around God's Word and fellowshipping around God's Word. We have a chance to be accountable to one another. We're much more secure. In John chapter 17, Jesus is giving this prayer and he prays for us and he says, protect them, keep them safe by the name that you gave me. He says, none has been lost except the one that is doomed to destruction so that scriptures may be fulfilled. Jesus continues on, he says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Oh, what a blessing it is to have the fellowship of believers together encouraging us. It will eradicate as we are under the word of God. It eradicates that cynical spirit. And it also allows us to be secure in the presence of God and the presence of other believers. You know, there's another benefit to to gathering together. It's actually a witness to the world. Uh, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And we can say, come along, worship and follow him. And as you do that, we become fishers of men. As we are gathering together, we become less discouraged. Oh, there's been many times in my life where I said, what is the sense of going on? And my mind plays all these little tricks on me. And and then a brother would come along and, and give me some words of encouragement. In Acts chapter 23, we see the same thing. We see that the Lord standing there, Paul, and says to Paul, Paul, you take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem. So you're also going to go to Rome and testify for me. As the Lord told Paul that, uh, the Lord didn't tell him how he was going to get to Rome. He just said that he's going to go to Rome. Unfortunately, he went through uh, a Roman imprisonment and got sent to Rome as as an incarcerated person. Uh, They sent him on the bus or however, and they transported him over to Rome. You know, but those words that God gave encouraged Paul. As we gather together, we are also much more passionate. You know, that old phrase is, there's strength in numbers. As we gather together, we can encourage one another. Paul said this, he says, we don't want to lose heart. Our outer self may be wasting away. But our inward self is being renewed day by day, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory, beyond all comparison, as we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Oh, as we gather together, we have this opportunity to be less discouraged. We have this opportunity to be more passionate. You know, we think about acts of love. You know, today, we have the capacity to love in such a way that it stretches outside the bounds of the present. Like a supernova, you can impact somebody for their betterment. You might not see the results immediately, but you can guarantee that you will reap what you sow. And what you sow in the Spirit will reap eternal rewards. Mr. Lewis reminds us, You don't need money. It doesn't take money to have fame. Don't need no credit card to ride this train. It's strong and it's sudden and it's cruel sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's the power of love. That was from Huey Lewis, right? You remember that old song? We are more passionate as we are together, riding that train together. We were never meant to walk the Christian life by ourselves. We were always meant to walk with somebody else. 
When God created Adam, he says, it's not good that a man should be alone. So I'm going to create a helpmeet for him. God has also given us a church because it's not good to do the Christian walk by yourself. That's why a small group is so important. That's why studying the God's word together in, in programs like Gospel Project is so important. That's why gathering together to worship is so important. Well, there's another benefit for gathering together. And this is the benefit that I don't want you to miss, right? Because we live in a self-centered culture, right? And so many times we look at everything is all about me. Like, I'm going to go to church to see what I can receive. And we wake up and say, well, I hope the pastor has a good message to pump me up and to get me encouraged. But you know, one of the reasons we gather together is not just so that we can receive something, but so that we can minister to others. Peter put it this way, be hospitable to one another without complaining, right? Don't complain, be hospitable. As each one of us have received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, he's to do it as one who is speaking the very ordinances or the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one serving by the strength which God supplies. So do that in all things, so that you may glorify God through Jesus Christ. Now, this is an unbelievable opportunity that God gives us. You know, we don't have to minister to others. We get to minister to others. And I've discovered something about ministering to others. The more I minister to others, the less selfish I become. You know, that's by design. Romans chapter 15 tells us that we who are strong should bear the failings uh, of the weak and not just to please ourselves. You know, each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up, even as Christ didn't please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Do you get what Paul is trying to tell us here? He's saying, if you are strong, then hang in there and bear with the failings of those who are weak. Please your neighbor, not yourself. And as you give this encouragement, you're giving hope to those who are coming along with you. And as you do this, you're actually given more endurance through the word of God. You know, as we gather together and we minister to others, we become less selfish, but we also become graciously focused on others. Paul says, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged, and the love of each one of you toward one another grows even greater. You know, when somebody dies, we remember. We remember all the stories that filled their life. Decades ago, a man by the name of Joseph Bow died. Now, it's a name that you probably don't know, but it's really a story that is worth hearing. Joseph Bow was born on June 18, 1920, in Poland. He became a young man just in time to experience the German invasion of Poland. He was one of three boys in a prosperous middle-class family that lived in one of the wealthiest neighborhoods. Joseph had always been good at arts, and at the age of 18, he enrolled in the University of Plastic Arts there in Poland. But unfortunately, the war interrupted his studies. His family was forced to move to a Jewish ghetto, 
and then led her to a concentration camp. Because of Joseph's partial education in art before the war, because of his talent for Gothic lettering, the Nazis employed him in producing maps and signs for the camp. Joseph Jobs also enabled him to save more than 400 Jews. And how did he save these Jews? He saved them by forging false documents and identifying papers that secured their release from the camp. When asked after the war why he did not forge documents for himself, he replied, then who would have done it for the other Jews? You know, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, we hear a similar question. He saved others. He cannot save himself. And Jesus answers, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. With the death of Joseph Bow, we remember a story that saved hundreds of Jews from death. With this bread and this cup, we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, the story that saves everyone who believes from spiritual death. So my question for you today, how are you growing? And how do you know if you are growing? In Hebrews chapter 5, it reminds us that we are believers and we ought to be teaching others. In other words, when you know something about the Word of God, it, it shouldn't be squandered away. It shouldn't be held on to. It should be used to teach others. But unfortunately, many need somebody else to teach you again the very basic things about the words of God. Paul says, you're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Oh, I want to encourage you, my friend. Would you gather back together in church? There's a young person that needs you. There's a teenager that is depending upon you. There's a pastor that needs your encouragement. There's a fellow member who needs your instruction. As we gather together, it's much bigger than just supplying our own needs. You see, so many people are looking for answers in all the wrong places, and they're starting to come back to church. Just last Sunday, at the end of our service, we had a young couple who came, and we had a huge fall festival. Uh, we're guessing probably 2,000 people came to our fall festival this year. Just unbelievable response. We didn't expect that many. Last year, we had seven, 800. Of course, last year, we were in the middle of COVID. But this year, people came. We had vendors. We had hay rides. We had bounce houses. We had chili. We had plenty of food. We had a band. And we had a bunch of activities going on. This one couple came. And as they came to the fall festival, they were so impressed. They said, you know... I think we're going to come to this church tomorrow. Our fall festival was on Saturday, so I think I'm going to come to this church tomorrow. They came to the 11 o'clock service, and uh, as they were leaving the worship center, as is my custom, I, I stand in the back and I greet the people who come and worship with us. And this couple, I didn't recognize them, and uh, I said hello to them, and I thanked them for coming and worshiping with us, and, and I thanked them for, for coming to the fall festival. They had told me they came to the fall festival, and the wife with her husband, says, no, I know you're really busy. And he says, when you get, uh, she said, when you get done talking with these people, would you, uh, would you give us a few minutes of your time? And we want to know how we can begin 
a relationship with God. So they stepped aside and waited several minutes as people left, and they were very patient. I was very impressed that they waited and waited and waited. Finally had the opportunity to talk to them. And I said, I'm so thankful that you were so patient and waiting. And I shared with them the gospel. I spent about 10 minutes with them, just sharing the good news, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. And as I went through the gospel, I shared with them the fact that they need to receive this free gift of salvation. You know, the Bible says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Right there at the backside of our sanctuary, this couple prayed to receive Christ. They're beginning their journey with him. My question is, who's going to help them on that journey? You know, there are dozens and dozens and thousands and thousands of people who are just like this couple. They may stumble in your church this weekend. They may stumble in my church. They may be in your neighborhood. You may see them when you're walking your dog. You may come across them at a fall festival. You may come across them at work. They're looking for answers. Are you willing to share that good news of Jesus Christ? That good news of this death, his burial, his resurrection. You see, many churches of all persuasions are hiring research agencies and polling neighbors and asking what kind of church they prefer. Then the local church designs themselves to fit the desires of the people. True faith in God that demands selfishness is being replaced by trendy religion and serves the selfish. That's not how we reach the culture. Now, Jesus didn't say, do a a research project and, and poll and see what people want. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw them in unto myself. You know, many decades ago, we went through what is called the, the seeker church movement. So, so we're trying to design churches so that people would feel welcome, and, and we made them feel so welcome that we didn't talk about sin, and we didn't even share the gospel because they, they might get offended by the, the death, the burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and we discovered that people came to church, but they never were converted. They never had a transformation. Unless God draws a person to salvation, no one will be saved. You see, my prayer for you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, that today will be your day of salvation. That today your life will be radically changed. Listen, if you're feeling that that conviction, that's the Spirit of God drawing you into a relationship with Christ. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open that door, I will come in unto him, and I will I will sup with him. I'll spend some time with him. Many years ago, I saw a picture of Jesus standing on the door knocking. And with that passage below from the book of Revelation, I noticed something unusual about that picture and that that picture was a door that had no door handle where Jesus was knocking. You see, the door handle is on the inside. Jesus knocks and he, and he wants to have a relationship with us, but we must open that door and invite him to come in. That's what calling upon the name of the Lord is all about. It is recognizing that I am no longer able to bring about salvation on my own strength. It's actually a transfer of trust. You're saying, I don't trust myself, my good works. I don't trust my accomplishments. I don't trust my my religious background. I don't trust what my parents have done for me. I don't trust myself for salvation. I completely trust in the Lord. I call upon Him. I put my confidence in Him. And then I am born again. I told this couple to get saved. Now you are at the beginning of a wonderful journey. And I invited them to come and be part of our small group. And they have a 
little daughter, and she's going to come and be part of our WANA ministry. And she's going to have this opportunity to grow in her faith along with her husband. Maybe today, it's time that you get back into church. Get back into worshiping and get back into serving and get back into teaching and get back into being a blessing. You discover that God will use you beyond your wildest imaginations. He will open up opportunities for you. The gift that God has given you, there's room for that gift in your church. You say, well, I want to play the drums. They already have a drummer. Listen, they can use two drummers or three drummers or five drummers. God can use your gift in the church as the church multiplies, as the church grows. God wants to use you in a very special way, but he can only use you when you're connected with the body of Christ. It's time to be over the missing in action. Come on in and join. So if you don't have a place to worship, why don't you join Hickory Ridge Community Church this Sunday at nine o'clock or 11 o'clock. And we'll gather together, we'll make you feel right at home. We'll show you with you God's word. We'll show you where your kids can be so you can enjoy the worship service. We have a wonderful children's ministry. On Wednesday nights, we do the Iwana ministry. On, on Sunday morning, we have a program called Ridge Kids. And uh, your kids will have a blast up there. Aaron does an amazing job with our kids. Why don't you come? Worship with us. Enjoy the presence of other believers and more importantly, the presence of God. Hey, thanks for listening today. And if I can help you with anything, give me a call at 252-267-2365 or shoot me a text, 252-267-2365. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.